I'm on. There we go. Yeah. It's always encouraging when you look up at the folks running the sound and they just go, come on. Just make weird hand signals like you're doing something. Something's going on. Okay. Well, good morning. Hopefully, um, Sabrina or somebody can run out there and grab you one if you need to, but there was a sheet out there this morning. If you didn't get one of those, uh, if you got your small group questions, it's on the back. Okay. But if you didn't, this is basically the outline for the message this morning is our membership covenant. So hopefully you got one of those. But like I said, if you've got the small group questions, it's on the back. If you don't do that, then here's, if you like to take notes and see that, or if you're just one of those people like, I just like to have that so I know how close we are to the end. You know, that's why people like outlines usually. So they're like, I know how long this is going to last. They think they do. You know how preachers get the point in the messengers like, just a few more minutes, 15 more minutes, you know, whatever. That's just to get your attention back for the next hour or whatever it is. You know, I'm bringing it to a close. That's just to get your attention back for a little bit. Right? You all know how it works. But we're in a series about what it means to be at the church at Rutledge, and when we use that word be, it had a meaning to it, the two letters, the B and the E, to be at TCAR, to belong, in other words, to, to be a member, to be a part of what's going on here, as God has led you to, to be here, and to engage. It's one thing to just say, yeah, I'll be a member, but to be a member means to engage, to actually get involved and, and connect, and engaged is what this place is about. That's what we... We really push people to become everything God created you to be and think we have a responsibility to do that. So if you feel somewhat pressured, that may be okay, but we hope it's a good pressure, not a, a pressure to do something that, that you don't feel like God wants you to do and that kind of thing, but um, no pressure other than the Holy Spirit pushing us to be who we're supposed to be um, and teaching and training with love the way we're supposed to. But... Just not just say you're a member, but really be involved. So we've been going through this foundation of what it means to be a member at the church at Rutledge. And, and so we've, we talked about what being a Christian is, just how, about what true salvation, being born again, and what that all means, and that you need salvation or church membership and all that doesn't make any sense and doesn't really matter. It's not the real issue. But once you are a Christian, we talked about what the church is, what it means, uh, when the Bible talks about basically mandates the Bible does for Christians to be a member of a local church, to to be accountable, to say I'm going to participate, we're going to look at our church covenant today and what that means for us and what a covenant people are about and why we have a church membership covenant. So don't let the sound of that rain put you to sleep now, okay? Um, you're like, no, it's just the sound of your voice. Okay, well, you, whatever. Um then, then Tony filled in for me last week, okay? Tony filled in, did a great job. He, it was one of those, I love the man to death. He, I don't, I don't probably tell him enough, but it's when you can call on a Saturday morning text and say, hey man, I've been throwing up all night. Can you, uh, kind of take over? I've still got a fever and I just don't think it's going to happen. And for him to say, yeah, no problem. And then not only that, just his connection with, with God and the scriptures and just, uh, I told our small group when I got there, um, I was like, this, that, that was really, it, you can talk about that all the time and it's going to hit me hard because I think all of us have a difficult time with that. I mean, I know you're looking at, you're the pastor. You're, well, I say things, do things sometimes that I wish I didn't. And, and so it's just as convicting to me. I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect. And, but know that when I see that I'm not, I need to correct and, and that's not always easy, but you know there's joy on the other side of that correction, which is which is the wonderful thing about the Lord. And so um so Tony filled in last week and and he covered really well an aspect of our church membership covenant, which starts with talking about unity that we'll get into a little bit this morning, but I'm not gonna hit that one because he did it so well. But how words can damage and what kind of serious damage can be done by this not controlling our tongue, by by the things that we say, um, and having just misguided intent with, with what we do with our words. And so I'd say this up front too. Remember that this when we're talking about this stuff, like this sermon this morning and what I'm talking about, 
it's it's really just talking about what Christians should do. Okay, if you're here and you're not a believer, and when I talk about these things, it's, this is what the Bible should do, which when you look at this church covenant and you talk about these things, these are just things the Bible says Christians should do, whether you're a church member or not. This, these are things church that, that that we put in our church covenant just to say we're making a covenant with each other to be able to hold each other accountable, to be able to walk together to say we're serious about these things and so this is a part of who we are. But really it's just things that Christians should do regardless. Um, it's not for the super spiritual people it's those religious nuts you know those people that like actually carry their bible to the service on sundays or have it on a device or something you know they actually do something those super spiritual weird people you know they even go to prayer meeting and um you know come do things during the week and they tell people about jesus and you know all that stuff those really weird christians right that's super spiritual ones right not that's the stuff we're all supposed to be doing right and and so this is just an emphasis of us saying, yeah, we're going to do that together. Okay? And we're committing to do that with one another. So if you're here and you haven't decided to follow Jesus to give your life back to Him, then this today shows you that there are people that think that Jesus is just so amazing, that He is so wonderful, that He is so worth giving your life to, that they are so in love with Jesus, so crazy about Him, they think all this is worth it, right? That and actually find joy in being a part of the church that Jesus is building. They want to be a part of this because Jesus is the head of this. He's a part of it. It is Him. And so the Christian who understands all this can imagine why a non-Christian doesn't want this. Right? But non-Christians often sit back and look at us and go, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to give your time, your talents, your... Your resources. Why, why would why would you you do what you, you you go there during the week and clean the bathrooms? Why would you want to do that voluntarily? Like like I don't even clean my own bathroom at home. Why would you want to go do that? Like you know what I'm saying? It's like people they think it's crazy. Like why would you why would you give ten percent of your income? Why do you do that? Are you crazy for what? Right? The non Christian looks sits back and goes, Why would I want to do all that? But yet, you know on the other side of this, if you've experienced Jesus, if He's changed your heart, if, if you've seen Him for who He truly is, you understand what He did for us on the cross, you get forgiveness, you get grace, you get what the truth really is, then you sit back and look at other people who don't have that and go, I can't believe you don't want this. Like, I'm just praying God opens your eyes and that you see it and you want this. And so, right up front, I'd just say, if you're here and you don't, you don't have that, you don't know that, maybe somebody listening on Facebook Live or or online listen to this later it's just, it's a thing of god is really that good he is so worth it and more he's like worth worth your whole life and he asks us just to, to give back a little bit just to say hey would you just put me first and all that other stuff you're doing would you just put me first in all those areas of your life and then you know as you go about the other things about your life would you just have this purpose about yourself and leverage all those things to help people understand who i am yeah, you, you figure out that he's really worth it. And it doesn't make sense until your heart has been changed by Jesus. It just doesn't doesn't make sense to people. So let's look at the TCAR membership covenant. And it says this at the top. It says, having received Jesus Christ as my Lord. And remember, that's that's the primary thing. That's the precursor to all this. Because if you're not... If you're not His, then none of the rest of this makes sense. You go, why would I want to do that? And and you're going to end up not doing it. Having been baptized and being in agreement with TCAR's statements, strategy and structure, that's the rest of that in that Class 101 material and things we've been talking about. We'll get the strategy, strategies and structures more here in the, in the coming weeks. It says, I now feel led by the Holy Spirit to unite with the TCAR church family. In doing so, I commit myself to God and to the other members to do the following. So it's very serious when we say this is a covenant amongst us that we're making before God. Okay? So there's a, a, a dual layer of accountability. God's going, well, you you need to make sure your yes is yes and your no is no. If you're a member, you're doing these things. And if you're, you're also making a commitment to these other people, there's accountability there. So it starts with saying, as such, I commit to do the following. 
I will protect the unity of my church. Okay? This, this is so important. This very aspect right here is so important that of all the things Jesus could have prayed for you as a believer for, there, there's one thing He prayed for you for. Okay? One thing He have, could have prayed for, and it was unity among believers. Okay? When you look in John 17, one of my favorite passages other than uh, Philippians 2 we'll get to in just a little bit. Um, it, you, you, if you've been here, you get, there's some of you like, when I say John 17, you're already in your mind you went John 17, 3. Because that's like my, I love that verse. Okay? And so, in, in John 17, after that verse where it says this is eternal life, that they may know Him, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, He gets down and Jesus starts praying and He prays for various things. He prays for the apostles and their work of spreading the gospel. And He gets down after that and He says, not just for them, but He says this. And, th and this prayer, this part of this prayer is what He prayed for believers to come. So basically, if you're a Christian here today, Jesus prayed for you while standing on this earth before sending back to heaven. And, and of all the things He could have prayed, He prays this in John 17, 20 and 21. He says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, talking about the, those disciples, the apostles, but for those who believe in Me through their word. So those that's going to, he's going, they're going to share the gospel and it's going to go on and on and on. For us, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So there's that unity amongst us with God, okay? Do not ever act in a way with intent that causes division between people. And that's, that's a serious issue to Jesus, is amongst believers especially, that we would not be people who create division. Okay? We're trying to bring people together. That Jesus is, he said that he, he had the, he was given the ministry of reconciliation. And so we too have been given that ministry of reconciliation. We were reconciled to be reconcilers. Jesus came as an ambassador for God to make us ambassadors. He, he, he came as this reconciler and now we're to be people who reconcile. Not just people with God, but people with each other. Okay? You know, you can go back to that whole thing. What was Satan's goal in heaven? Once he said, I want to be worshipped. I want it to be all about me. He created all this division. Separated a third of the angels from God. Now he comes to earth and he does not want you to, to have a relationship with God. Does not want you to have good relationships with each other. And so he's all about division. The devil, the name of one of Satan's names, it was Lucifer originally, Satan, Devil means one who creates division, one who divides. That's what he does. You're never more like the devil than when you're dividing people. When you're dividing. So, so that's, that was Jesus' prayer for us. Satan will even use good people to cause division. Unknowingly. Just dupe them into it. Thinking, this is, you know, it would be great if things would get to this place. And so, they use whatever means to try to get it there, even if it causes division. And they'll, they'll think the, the, the means justify, is justified by the end result they're looking for. And the church is never more effective than when we work together. I mean, you know this. You've probably seen it over the 15, 16 years we've been here. If you've been around, you know when, we're, when, when we work together and everybody's unified, man, there, it's, it's an amazing thing. Things happen far beyond what we could pull off on our own. There's something just supernatural that happens in that. Because we're united, we're united with, with God and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and it just it's an amazing thing. And but when we get divided, all our energy starts to go into working against each other instead of working against sin and darkness in ourselves and in the community. All that energy just gets wasted. And all the things he could have prayed for us, that's what he prayed for us. Why? What's he say? He tells us why so that the world may believe that God sent Jesus. He says, that's why I want y'all to be unified. Okay? So what's the implication? When, the wor when, when we're divided, the world looks at us and doesn't believe this is real. Right? Do you see how important that is? You can tell somebody about Jesus all day long, but they go, yeah, but you and 
so-and-so and this person. I heard about all that. When, when I did um, my seminary research paper for starting the church, we had to go out and canvas the area. Um, it was one of the parts of it. And so those five of us, and we we door-to-door for I don't know how many days we did it. But you know what was probably, I, it was the number one reason why people didn't go to church. What do you think they said? You know why, right? I'm not going down there to that church. They can't get along with each other. Why do I want to do that? Hypocrites. Fighting. It's a mess. And that's what I heard over and over and over. Right? There's all those secondary issues, you know. Nope. Didn't really help me any. Boring. You know, whatever. Uh, scared me to death. You know, there's some of those. Right? But when 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 we're divided, the the community looks at us and goes, "That can't be real. They can't get along with each other." So what do we do? We covenant to keep unity by acting in love towards other members. Right? Should act in love towards everybody, but this is a covenant between us. Right? This means you give people the benefit of the doubt. Okay, that's a big one. You'll hear me say that a lot. Don't assume the worst. We quickly do that, don't we? Right? Especially when it's text, email, right? Uh, right? Even a phone call, if we're not sitting there and seeing the body language, seeing the smile or whatever, we can just assume the worst, right? And we let it divide us. Okay? We, we just need to be careful. Don't assume the worst. And, and, we, and we give grace to each other, right? If we're going to love each other, we give grace. Because there's sometimes it just did, it shouldn't have been said that way or it shouldn't have been done that way or whatever it is. And you allow people the room to make mistakes. Okay? Even the pastor, right? You, you, you got you to gotta allow people to make mistakes. And if they're willing to repent and, and make it right, then you come back around and you just keep going. Okay? You act in a manner that helps keep people together, bring people together. Do everything you can to do that by acting in love toward other members. You can go to that. The second, what's the second Corinthians? What's the chapter thirteen, the love chapter? And it gets down to the bottom and it says, "Love does all these things, hopes all things, endures all things." Right. Basically, that verse is saying what it does is it gives the other person the benefit of the doubt. It stays with them. It gives grace. It does these things for somebody else. It doesn't just sit back and go, "Yeah, I love that person," and then not do anything for them, right? It's 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 manifest through action that helps them. Okay. So by acting in love toward other members, by refusing to gossip, okay, keep things only to those people who are involved. This is, this is probably the hardest one, the biggest one. This goes back to what Tony was talking about last week. Okay? So here it is. Okay? And because you're sitting on the front row, I'll, I'll pick on you. And this is why we don't have many people sitting on the front row, I guess. Okay? But say Jonathan and I, like we're, we're doing something here at church, and I say something, and it upsets Jonathan. Like he thinks I was being mean, I, was, I didn't like something he did, or, or whatever it is. Okay? So Jonathan is like, oh man, that really hurt my feelings, whatever. So what should Jonathan do? What if he's like, what do I do with that? That really hurt me, right? So does Jonathan go to Steele or to Tony and say, hey Tony, Marty said this and it just really hurt my feelings. What do you think I should do? Is that what he's supposed to do? But how often do we do that? There's a problem between person A and person B. We go drag C, D, and E into it because we're, hey, would you pray for me? Me, me I just, this really hurt me and I'm not sure what to do. Right? Baloney. You know what you're supposed to do. Okay? You can go to Matthew 18. You can look at, you know, what are you supposed to do when you're offended by something, when you're hurt by something? You go to the person first. There is no point in getting anybody else involved. But I have, we have close relationships. My good friend in the church, and we talk to every, each other about everything. I don't care. Okay, 
we're not supposed to go badmouth somebody. You're like, well, I'm just trying to find out what I'm supposed to do. No, you're not. If you're, if you're trying to do the right thing, you go to the person and you work it out. Now, there's procedures for how do we, how do we go you know, through the process if we can't work it out between each other. Like, say, I stub up and I'm like, I don't care if it hurts you, Jonathan. That's just the way it is. You just have to get your big boy pants on get over it. You know, whatever. If I said that to him, then he might have calls to go to Tony and say, hey, Tony, man, I tried to talk to Marty about this and it just got worse. Then then he'd bring Tony in for the conversation. Say, hey, let's sit down and talk. And say, well, what, what's going on? Okay? That's, that's, that's when you get the other person in. Right? But initially, you don't... Because what's the point in Tony knowing about me saying something that hurts him? So all he's doing is trying to get Tony on my case and for me to look bad in front of Tony. You get people all built up on your side. So you've got this powerful force going against the person. All it does is causing division. But if we work it out, we get over it, we're still good, and we move on. And now Tony and I don't have problems. It doesn't spread. Okay? We all know this, right? But we don't often do that, do we? We often go, I need to talk to so-and-so because so-and-so did something. I don't know what to do. It's simple. The Bible says you go to them and talk to them about it. Period. That's it. Okay? Now, you use grace and love and tact when you go talk to them about it, right? But you have a problem, you, you, you talk to them. You draw a straight line between A and B and don't involve point C, D, or whatever. What's those prayer requests to use this gossip? Just throwing that out there. Make sure your intent in asking for prayer for somebody or for something, you don't share too many details. It's just simply that you're wanting prayer for somebody. That it's not, hey, let's pray for so-and-so because this, this, and this, and drugs, and end up in jail, and this, and that, and the other, and now this, and slept with so-and-so, and did this, and did that. We just need to pray for her or him, right? You don't have to tell all that stuff. What you're just trying don't try to just run them all down, okay? Be careful what the intent is and what you share, okay? So by refusing to gossip and then by following the leaders, God places people in authority for reasons, and it's taken very seriously in the church, right? I I take seriously my responsibilities. There's a verse we're going to read here in just a second that I, I've gotten to give an account for how I how I handle what I've been given and the, the role God call, has called me to be in, right? It's a heavy deal to be a leader in the church. So whether it's me or a staff person, a ministry team leader, you have there's an accountability there as leaders of those areas, okay? And the church appoints leaders for a reason. So don't undermine that and create disunity and division, and okay? Don't undermine that. Communicate with leaders and work with those leaders, not against them. We're on the same team, okay? So let's not work against each other, okay? Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Myself, Again, we give an account, myself and the other leaders in this church, for how we did what we were called to do. And on the other side of that, I understand, not only doesn't it does it not help the leader who's trying to lead to follow, but it works against you too. It doesn't help you at all. No advantage to making this for not making this a joy for everyone, right? So keep unity. Most important to Jesus. That's what He prayed for for us. Okay. So secondly, we covenant together. I will to share the responsibility for my church. When you become a member of this church, it's just as much a part of your responsibility, just as much your church as it is someone who's been here 15, 16 years since the beginning. It ultimately all belongs to Jesus, right? He's the head, but we are responsible to do the things the Bible says we're supposed to do as the church. And so as a member, that responsibility uh, is shared. So we share in the responsibility by praying for its growth, okay? That's individually and corporately. I hope you're at home that you're praying for those people you're trying to invite to church, that you're trying to reach, that you want them to know who are far from God, that, that your fellow Christians that you know would grow in maturity and be bold in sharing the gospel and that 
you would pray for your leaders here at the church and for each other that we would be praying for what's going on here on Sunday mornings. I was encouraged this morning to to I talked to a guy this before the service and he was like, "Hey, praying that that someone gets it this morning. They come to know Christ if they don't know Him. I've been praying for that before getting here this morning, and it's like that's awesome. That that's wonderful, right? We should be praying." For the growth of the church, okay? When I say growth of the church, it's not buildings. The church is not a building. It's not we're praying that this building would get bigger. Okay? We're praying that people would would be built up, that people would come to know Christ, would walk in His ways, would have a relationship with Him. And, and if that means this grows, that's just a byproduct of people growing because we're sharing the gospel and people are coming up. Change lives are the goal. So we're praying individually. We're praying corporately. We're having our next prayer gathering on the 14th coming up. That's next Sunday evening at 6.30 here. We'll be here having a corporate prayer gathering together. Um, right now, this is our last scheduled one that we'll have a guest coming in to help lead us. And so Ben Shown will be here on the 14th to, to help lead us in that time together. We'll probably sing us a couple songs like we did before and... and uh, and then he'll teach just for a few minutes, then we'll all pray together. It's a wonderful time. You just really should be here. It, it's The last few have been, the ones we've done have been wonderful. And so as a member, you say, I've, I've committed to do this together, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get together and pray. And people are the goal. Changed lives are the goal. So we pray for the growth of people and maturity and seeing more lives changed by the gospel, seeing new believers born into the kingdom of God. Do you pray for that? Like, if you're a member of this church, do you pray for that? Do you want that? Like, if you want that, if you say, yeah, I want it to grow. Yeah, I want to see people come to know Christ. Yeah, I want the, the church, the people to grow. Then to not pray for that is to say, I want that, but I don't need God to do it. Right? To not pray about something is to say, I don't need God in that area. Whatever that is, you're not praying for. Okay? You're just saying, hey, I got this. I'll just go about it myself. Don't need to talk to God about it, right? To not pray for it is to say you don't need God's help in it. Okay, so we pray for its growth by inviting the unchurched to attend. Okay? We started this church out of a desire to see people who just weren't being reached by existing methods and churches who are, who are turned off by church for those people to be reached. Okay? You just want to do something different. Try to reach different churches, reach different kinds of people. Okay, has its own characteristics, its own culture, and hopefully they're all biblical. And it's like we, you know, we say around here a lot. It's there's people that'll go to this church that won't go to another in Granger County, and there's churches in Granger County. There's people there, and they grow there, and they flourish, but they they wouldn't do well here. Okay, this it's just difference in churches. Okay, and it's okay. God's smart. He knows people are different, so there's different churches. Right. So we wanted a place where you could bring your neighbor, your family member who doesn't believe, a co-worker, a friend who doesn't know God. A place they would feel welcome, they would enjoy coming to, and and the and place where the people treated them kindly. Like it's just we wanted you to be able to bring your friend here and they'd go, you know what, I'm not sure if I believe all that. I'm not sure. How I feel about that? You know, the, the music wasn't bad. I liked that other drummer better last week, but the music wasn't bad. The 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 it was actually pretty good. And the, that guy that talked, he didn't scare me, didn't pressure me. He, he just what he talked about was really interesting. And you know, I'd like to maybe hear some more. But, you know, um, my kids really enjoyed back there in the back, and they were telling me stuff that I didn't even know. It was just really amazing. Like it's it was really nice. The place, the coffee was real good, right? People were really friendly. I don't know. I'm not sure what I believe about all that, but you know what? I might go back. That, that's the kind of place we wanted to create, a place they would feel welcome. And, I, and we wanted to honor God, yes. Teach, yes. Equip, yes. That's what we're doing right here this morning, right? Equipping our members, equipping the saints, and provide a place of corporate worship and preaching the Word of God and to stand on truth, but in a way that you could bring your friend and they might get it too. Okay, that that was the intent of of all of our environments that it would be that way. We don't feel that way about your small group. Okay, 
You know, people don't come to church because they've been. Right? They've been burnt, bored, or both, as you've heard said. Maybe even scared half to death. Okay? But we didn't want one of one of those things to be something they had to overcome to be here. That it wouldn't be that way. So that affected the style of things. How I preach. Right? Yes, I'm so glad I get to just dress like me. Okay? Instead of a tie that just chokes me to death and I can't stand it and I have to take Advil every time I put one on. Right? Because it just kills my neck and I just I feel uncomfortable in it. Right? I'm, I'm glad because one of the second most biggest reason I got on those door-to-door things I got from people is mostly I would hear from people often. I, I don't really have the kind of clothes I need to wear to go to church down there. Down at this church down here. And I was like, okay. You know, so it got you to understand we just want people to be able to come like they are. That God's interested in the heart, not the outside. Right? That's why we have that stringent dress code that we have. You have a dress code? Yeah, please do. Right? Right? But, but it's why we do the style of preaching. I'm glad the music's the way it is. Yes, it's good. It's culturally relevant. Right? Good atmosphere. There, there are things that are personal preference. Cause we could throw a choir up here and in robes and I could, you could call me bishop and that would all be fine. Right? It, it, there wouldn't be anything biblically wrong with it. Okay? It just might, it wouldn't appeal to what we're trying to do with people on a personal preference level, right? We don't compromise the Bible, right? You've heard me say too, I want us to stay relevant, and that's that's a hard thing to do. It's hard to keep up with culture, and not necessarily that's what we're trying to do, okay? But I want to be effective, okay? So we've always said, you know, if one day speed metal is what really draws people to church and people really worship too, then... We'll try to figure that out, right? It ain't going to be me on drums, I can promise you that. Um, but it will change, because it's not about my personal preference. I can ride down the road listening to the music I want to listen to, worshiping God in my car to my personal preference I like to worship to. When I come here, I'm thinking about my friend I might invite, right? It's a sad thing that most Southern Baptists never experience bringing a friend to church, right? Because when you come to, you go to church by yourself, and I do this like Nikki and I will go on vacation, and there's there's half about half the time I'll find the church if we're gone on a Sunday because I, I just want to go to church. Like I love church, I really do. It's not just something we say and we're supposed to do, right? So there's times I we'll go to church when we're on vacation. Now when I'm there by myself, what am I doing? Wonder if I, man, do I like the preaching? You know, was the coffee good? How's the music? I'm thinking about what I like. Did I enjoy that? Is the message good? But if I, now if I am here and I invite a friend to come and that friend's sitting out here, or if I'm you and I'm, you're sitting next to that friend, what are you thinking in your mind? I wonder what they think about the message. I wonder what my thing, friend thinks about the coffee. I wonder what my friend thinks about the music. The, I wonder what my friend thinks. I wonder what my friend thinks. And that's good. Because you're seeing those preferences, not biblical truths. You're seeing the preferences through your friend who you're trying to reach for Christ. Right? You see how that works? So, so it becomes an approach to how we, we look at things and our personal, the personal preference becomes a tool to reach those who don't attend church. Okay? So we look at personal preferences through the eyes of visitors. Yeah, one of the statistics I saw recently, well, it's been a couple years ago because we walked everybody out and let them walk in and ask them questions about what they saw is a visitor, a first time visitor, will make up their mind whether most of the time, like it was some crazy number, like 80% of the time a visitor will make up their mind whether they're ever going to come back or not in the first 10 minutes of being on campus from the moment they drive in that driveway. So what do you think matters a lot? The people out here in the front, the parking lot, how it looks, the, how they're greeted, what happens when they come in here. First 10 minutes, they're going to make up their mind. Going to come back, they're not going to come back. And you thought it was the preaching. Right? Pressure's off me a little bit. Okay? So you can't, it's, we want you to hopefully be able to invite somebody and eventually lead them to a relationship with Jesus. And so, 
look at this parable. I won't go into my thoughts about what it says about irresistible grace and all that stuff. You know, some of you guys will be like, ooh. Okay. But let's read what it says about God wanting us to go out and invite. It's just a, a great parable that Jesus tells. In Luke 14, 16 through 23, it says, But he said to him, this is Jesus <clears throat> telling this parable, A man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. Interesting. No, you don't know any church members like that, do you? The first one who said to him, the first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused, right? I got this new car and I'm going to just go driving around this morning instead of coming to church. I'm going to go do something. I've, you know. I got a new TV at home and I need to look at it, right? Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a wife. Well, I'll give him some sympathy, I guess. Um, we can skip that part. Anyway, now I have married a wife and for that reason I cannot come. That's probably the reason you're going to come in the first place, right? If you're not, you're coming. Now, you got a wife. She's like, no, you're going to church, right? And the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring it here. Bring in here the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the slave said, Master, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, Go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, None of the men who were invited shall taste my dinner. Okay? So if you're invited, you better show up. Okay? It's important that you come to the table, be a part of the family, and it's important for you to go out and invite people to be a part of it. That's what God desires. Okay? We share in that responsibility to, to invite people, to, to want people to be at that table. Okay? And so by warmly welcoming those who visit, I'm going to expound on that a whole lot because then that just gets offensive to all the church members, all those excuses, all that stuff, right? I think you get it. By warmly welcoming those who visit, Romans 15, 7, therefore accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. The Living Bible says, so, welcomely, so warmly welcome each other into the church just as Christ has warmly welcomed you, then God will be glorified. Right? So... God loves us, and that loves to flow out to other people. Love in, love out, right? You were welcomed by Jesus, so therefore welcome others, right? And so, <clears throat> what what you what you love about this church? There's certain things, you know. We usually in class 101, we would ask, so what what brought you? How did you get here? How did you get connected? And then what are the things you like about TCAR? And you know, y'all from here? Well, it's just everybody's so friendly, and they. And they make you feel like you're a friend and they just love on you and it's just, okay? So what you love about this church coming into it, if we get wave after wave of new people who don't then turn around and give that love back to other people and new people that come in, then eventually we're not that church, right? So so when you say I'm stepping in as a member, what you're saying is I'm not just going to come in and find my seat and sit down and then just take off right after the service, Right? But what I'm going to do is I'm going to I want to come and I'm going to put my stuff in my seat. Then I'm going to look around and see who I need to love and welcome in and 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 love on a little bit and see if they need a cup of coffee and see those first time visitors and greet them and I'm going to start loving on other people, right? So so I want to turn around and give what I got and what I like about T-Car. I love the music here. Okay. Well, if you've got musical talent, then you say, hey, Nikki, Marty, whoever the worship leader is, is hey. Can you know? I I can play this. I can play the guitar. I can play bass guitar. I can play keyboard. I, you know, I can do that. Uh, hopefully, is is good enough to be a part of the praise team. But God's given me that gift and that talent. And so, could I just could I just try out? Could you like listen to how I play and see if it fits what you're doing? And maybe you could use the talent I've got because I I love that coming here and hearing this music. So I want to help be a part of that. And make sure that continues, right? And and so, whatever you get, you turn around and give back, right? I'm not just going to be expected 
to be welcomed and go find my seat. I'm now going to look around and do that for others. I'm, you may have heard it said this way. You need, you need to, you're making this covenant with each other to be a pipe, not a pot, right? It's not just I'm a pot, so I get these blessings and, and I'm a pot and I just hold those blessings. I'm like, thank you God for my blessings. Just love this. It's wonderful. Spirit fingers, right? Just look, yay. Yay God, right? Me and Him. It's wonderful, right? No. You, you're given those blessings for a reason. Don't be a pot. I almost said don't be a pot, kid. But that's a different, whole different thing altogether. Okay? Don't, don't be a pot. Be a pipe, right? So you get the blessings and you look around and you go, okay, God has blessed me. Why? He's blessed me to be a blessing. I'm a reconcile, I've been reconciled to Him to be a reconciler. I've been, these things have been done for me so that I can do them for others. So I become this pipe that just is a conduit of God's love to other people. Okay? Simple concept. But how often are we, God just blessed me. You know, do for me. My prayers are for me. I go to church for me. Right? I need, I need, I need. Okay? And you suck the life out of people. Okay? But God says, I want to grow you to the place. I ble I'm blessing you. I'm pouring into you. There's people around you that are helping you so that you can turn around and begin to help other people. Are there seasons where we need? Yes, absolutely. And that's why we need each other all the more is to help walk through those seasons when we are very needy. We, we have hurts. We have deep pains. We have things going on. And, and so, yes, there are seasons where that's necessary. But as we are given to, we grow and we heal and we work through those things and eventually we get back around to, hey, what I got? And a lot of things, times we'll go through those seasons so God can grow us, so we can help somebody who goes through that very season we went through. We can look at them and go, hey, you may be down, but you don't have to be out. And one day, you'll smile again, you'll find joy in the midst of this, and you'll see God's hand and how He has molded you and shaped you for something spectacular. So just keep going. And you can encourage them in a way that I can't because you walked through that yourself. So whatever you got, you give back. And so all that off of warmly welcome people who visit. Okay. So as members, we also covenant uh, to number three. Uh, I will serve in the ministry of my church. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 says, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service. By the way, don't envy somebody else's calling and their gifting and all that stuff. Right? You know, we don't don't try to go outside of that. Okay, just just all of it's necessary. There's actually a verse that says that the parts that seem less necessary are really the most necessary, right? Some pastors, some teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every kind of wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. That's a great statement. Because sometimes we think we just, if it's the truth, I can say it. I think Tony hit on that a little bit last week as we talk about the tongue. Just because it's true doesn't mean you can say it that way or should even say it. It should be the truth in love. That there's intent behind it. We are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by whatever every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. You see how all these each individual part is so important as it works together. That's why we've got to be unified so this machine... Uh, this body works as it's supposed to work, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I love how it emphasizes, I love how it emphasizes love. Okay? Over and over and over. There's intent, there's heart behind it. So we're going to serve the ministry of the church by discovering our gifts and our talents. Yes, you have some. No matter what your mama may have told you or built you up to be or told you you didn't have. Okay, you, you're good. you're okay. Okay, discover you have natural talents. You have natural talents. Okay, 
Jonathan's ability to play that keyboard, Brady on guitar, um, all these singers, right? Tony on bass, Emmanuel. Uh, some people have have a gift of just managing finances, crunching numbers, doing those things. Somebody has somebody has the gifts of like sports and stuff. You can use all of those talents. People are good at at just talking and conversation and they use it in sales and and they so there's these gifts that we have that are just natural talents and and we should not just use those for work and making money and hobbies or whatever else if you've been given a skill use it leverage it for the kingdom for Jesus too don't just use that somewhere else if you got natural just gift to teach that's also a spiritual gift right if you've been given a skill, use it. Leverage it for Jesus, for His church. And as you are born again, when you become a Christian, the Bible says that everybody who, who's a Christian becomes a Christian. You're given at that moment through the Holy Spirit a spiritual gift. At least one, if not many. Most people, it's two or three, and you have some primary and some secondary. And we can help you discover those and what they are. But all of that there, it, the Scripture talks about your who you are, your gifts, your abilities, your spiritual gifts are there for the edification of the church. That's why He gave them to you. Not just so you could make money, not just so you could be great at a hobby or sport or whatever. Okay? And so we can help you figure out what are those spiritual gifts, okay? Discovering what those gifts are. Just talk to me, talk to Rita, talk to Nikki. We can point you in the right direction and say, here's, here's some things we can do. We can sit down with you and go through some things and figure those things out, right? So by being equipped to serve by my pastors, many opportunities to be equipped here, like these services. That's what we teach here, hearing the Word, worshiping, serving together, classes that we teach. That We have a 101 through 401 class stuff. There's discipleship. If you want to get connected with somebody, say, I just want to be really discipled, like really discipled. And I want to connect with somebody who's small groups are a great place to connect with somebody like that. But you can also just come to me. And, I, and you say, you want to be discipled? Either I'll take that on or I'll hand you off to somebody that's appropriate and say, hey, you want to be discipled? Here's somebody that wants to disciple somebody. And maybe you're either one of those people. Okay? It's a great thing. Don't miss out on service opportunities. Okay? The best way to, to get equipped for God to help you grow and get you there is just to, is to serve. Is just to jump in with both feet and start trying some stuff. Okay, you can do that here on Sundays back there with the kids, with the students. Um, service like in the music, serving coffee, making stuff, cleaning during the week. There's all kinds of things to be done. All kinds of stuff through the week. You're cleaning around here. We've got a work day coming up next Saturday at 10 a.m. We're going to redo a lot of the landscaping up here, put down mulch, move a couple bushes. There's there's some cleanup along the road out there. Bring a, a good flathead shovel. Some of that mud that's got into the road, we need to get it back up into our stuff, right? There's some there's a lot of projects to be done. There's there's tons of stuff. There's some stuff to be hauled off out of the office, to the landfill. It's a way to serve. And you're like, well, that's not how's that equipped? And like, you'd be surprised. The relationships that are made, you work alongside somebody in your church, you get to know them. Discipleship type relationships can happen over time. God will bless you and grow you through those things in ways you can't imagine. You just, it's one of the things that really has bonded over the years. A lot of people in our church together. It gives you a sense of this is our church. It's, it's, it's yours, right? And so there'll be service projects, all of our small groups. It's on your sheet. You should be looking at Summer service projects coming up for this summer. And your group may lead a summer service project and say, we're going to go do this. And we'll put up a sign-up sheet. There may be other people in the church that come on board and go do that with you. But we want to take that and go serve and grow together. It's, you never grow more than when you're actually doing what the Word says. As your pastor and as your staff and other leaders, we work hard to help you grow and find areas to serve and minister to others. So you can always just come to us for that. And by developing a servant's heart, grow spiritually, read your Bible, study, pray, work out your salvation as God works in you. I, originally, this, this tore me up, okay? Originally, I just was like, man, I'm just I'm going to do the church covenant and I'm just going to take it through Philippians chapter 2, right? And 
because it's easy to apply this to all of these areas. Okay, this it's just so. This is my favorite scripture, but wasn't what God had in mind. Struggled with it all week, so I'm just going to read this though, because I think it's relevant. It's one of the scriptures that's under is in this that's under that um, for this. But when you read it, this is something to go back and study yourself. Here's another here's a great way for you to grow. Okay, and develop a servant's heart. You go read this and think about it and how does this apply to me and how am I doing with that and God help me to grow in this area, that area. How does this apply to me, okay? But Philippians chapter 2, you know, talking about developing a servant's heart and growing, Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 13. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection or compassion, then make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Boy, that's a mouthful. You can just stop right there and just dwell on that for a, for a good two, three months, right? Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more, more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Whoa. How's this sitting with you? In other words, I'm going to put your agenda ahead of my agenda. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus who although he existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He was God in the flesh, but was not seeking to, to use that authority for his own purposes, but to serve us. Although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself taking on the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of man. And being found in appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. How far did he take this deal we're talking about? Pretty far. But how many of us go, I don't do windows. I'm glad Jesus didn't say, I don't do crosses. Right? There's things we won't do or we'll fuss the whole time we're doing it, right? Or it's not the way I like it, so I'm not doing that way. I'm not doing it anymore, right? I'm glad Jesus didn't say, yeah, Judas, go betray me. You know what? I'm done with this stuff. Heck with humanity. I'm tired of being betrayed and people doing me this way, Right? Pretty tough, isn't it? For this reason also, God highly exalted him. Whoa. He lowered himself. He, he did all that and finds himself here. For this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But what, what, what's our world say, though? Is that the, is that the way we do it? We, we're, we're to make ourselves nothing? So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. It's, it's good stuff. You work it out as God works it in. So it's that conduit picture, right? He's working it in, you're working it out. Okay? And there's more connotations to that. We'll let y'all talk about that in small groups. Okay? And finally, a member of TCAR says, I will support the work of my church by attending weekly unless legitimately hindered. Unless our stuff says unless working or sick or out of town, 
you know, go on vacation, you may take some trip, whatever. We understand. It's not, we're not the church Nazis, okay? It, it, but it's, it, it's important that you be here. It's not just, I got some new oxen. I'll just stay home, okay? I'll be here on Sundays, attend a small group. Okay, both of those are equally important. Do what it takes to fulfill this covenant, corporate prayer gatherings, etc. But you're going to be at TCAR. You're going to belong and engage. It, it matters. It really does. I know it's another one of those devil division things. But you get, we get so easily talked into. It doesn't really matter if I show up or not. I can, I can miss. I can, you know. And things happen in life. I get that. Okay. Again, seasons. I get that. But don't let it take you out. It matters if you're here or not. It's a really a spiritual battle is what it comes down to. I'm trying to get you not to be here for whatever reasons. It, affect, it affects other people if you're not here. People notice. They really do. If you're a member, been here, people know. It affects how things go here, how things go with your small group, how things go at prayer meetings. Right? It affects whether you're there or not. It has an impact on it. Okay? If you're supposed to serve, it puts unnecessary pressure and burdens on other people if you don't show up. If your gifts and talents are not here, it affects things. If God said, I'm going to gift you and give you these spiritual gifts and do this in your life so that you can come here and add that to this and do this for this body of believers and this church and reaching people, and then you don't come, it has an impact that day. Okay? Why would God call you here and then say, well, it doesn't matter if you really come or not. If you're supposed to serve, you need to be here. You, you rob others of being built up because your gifts, your who you are, everything God's made is for the edification of the church. So if you're not here, there's, there's little edification that didn't happen. You get that? People aren't building, being built up as much as they could have been. Unless you're just in a bad mood, then hopefully God took you out for a reason. Okay? You're not here. Right? But maybe we were supposed to encourage you and get you out of that. Right? So, by attending weekly unless legitimately hindered. By living a godly life. Members are a walking billboard for the church. Even more than that, list, list this, okay? I hope you understand this. People are not going to judge Jesus by the Bible. You're like, what? That's all the truth does, okay? Christians don't even read their Bible. Lost people aren't going to. Okay? So, people aren't judging Jesus by the Bible. Who are they judging Jesus by? People who say they follow Jesus. They're just looking at you. That's where they're going to get what they think about Jesus. Is from Christians, little Christs. Right? They're not going to go read the Bible and go, oh, I see now. They're, it, he's not doing it right. I like Jesus. You know, they're not, going to, they're not going to figure that out. They're just going to judge him by what they see in you if you call yourself a Christian. Okay? So the world is going to judge Jesus by who they say follow Jesus. Not that you're a perfect person. We've been through that. But you're like Christ says you should be even when you're not perfect. Okay, He tells us when you're not perfect, this is how we handle these things. right? So you do what you're supposed to when you mess up. You make it right with God and others. Be authentic and transparent about your need for Jesus is okay. That's actually good. Okay, We need Him because we're not perfect. Okay, so we live a godly life, and that means even in our mistakes, we live a godly life and we repent and make it right and understand that. We show people an authentic walk with Christ by giving regularly, generously. We are to be a people who give, and we should love to do that, right? Time, talent, and resources. Time, talent, treasures. You hear some people say if you're a Baptist, you've got to have all the letters match at the end. Okay? Tithe. You just get. I don't. This is not a tithing message. I don't have time to get into all that. But 
Tithe means 10%. It's Old Testament, New Testament. There's, there's, it's giving the first of what we receive. It's putting God first. And I'm not saying you automatically, it's like, hey, sign up, you got to give 10%. That's it. Actually, there was a rumor at one time that said, because we were associated with Coryton, because people would say about them that we made you turn in your W-2s to make sure you're tithing, right? Correctly. We don't do that. Okay? This is, it is part of that's between you and God, but you should be tithing. Start somewhere. Just start somewhere. If it's 2%, 3%, 4%, 5%, if you want to start at 10, go for it. Right? But, but we should tithe. Okay? First of what we receive, it's putting God first in our lives. It's trusting Him to get us through, not ourselves. Okay, and this is in all areas of our life. It's time, our talent stuff is, is to give to Him first. For a Christian, and this is part, you've been around here a while, you heard this said, it's for a Christian not to, to give, not to put Him first, is like saying, hey God, I trust you to get me out of hell and into heaven, but I don't trust you to get me through the mind. Right? That hurts, doesn't it? Now, and I feel it. I feel it too. Okay? It's a matter of faith in God. It's, and, and it's beyond that. It's, there's, there's people who say, I gotta have my money to get from point A to point B, man, to make it through the month. And so, they don't ever put God first. They don't ever experience what a lot of people, and some of you could sit here and give testimony after testimony of, you know what, not only did I tithe, I gave my 10%, not only that, that I had created some margin in my life to where, you know, I came across this person that needed help, so I helped them. I helped sponsor a student to go to camp. My neighbor had a problem and they got a flat tire and they couldn't fix it and it couldn't be fixed and so I bought them a new tire. I stuck the money in their mailbox or whatever in the envelope. They don't even know where it came from. God just told me to do that and I did it. Okay? Now I got to the end of the month, I struggled, but you know what? It was amazing. To watch God not only get me from point A to point B, but as I put Him first and I do these things, I'll actually watch God over time take me from point A to point C, not just to point B. And it's a supernatural thing. <coughs> right? And there's people who never experience A to C moments because they, never, they don't put God first. Trusting Him to get us through. And it's necessary for the church to function as we have been called to function. So we covenant together as members to share what it takes to make this happen. Right? Not equal amounts because we all make different amounts, but equal sacrifice. We all say this is our standard, so this is what we're going to all equally sacrifice. Okay? And we have opportunity for offerings, you know, not just tithes, but to give to those things God through His Spirit leads us to give. That's why you need to live with margin. So as the Holy Spirit prompts you through the week and through your life, you can help and do things for people. Okay? Not just here, but wherever that is. Right? And as a member, you've made a covenant before God with His people to do those things that we just talked about. So my hope is, one, that you know Christ and you see how wonderful He is. Right? If you don't, I pray that you would make that decision right now to say, God is that good. He's worth all that. So I give my life to that. But may it be known that we take seriously what the church is about. That we are committed to Christ and His mission to build the church that the gates of Hades will not prevail against. We're a covenant people of God who want others to know how wonderful He is. Who believe that Jesus is worth all we have and all we are. So let us take the Gospel to all that we can and build up treasure in heaven. I love the church. May we be the church here locally and everywhere God calls us to go. So let's pray this morning. Father God, I, I just, I, right up front, I just thank you for people who get this. I thank you for people who you've changed their heart and they're all about you and what you're doing in the world and they want to get behind your purposes for their life with everything that they are. They'll be that they, you have people you who get it who, who have made this covenant. Help us by your spirit to be the church you've called us to be. May many come to know you and may your church grow because 
of how you use us. We love you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. When we put our eyes on the cross and we see Jesus for who He truly is and what He has done, it should overwhelm us and make it a joy to do these things. Father, would You just press that upon our hearts. Father, help us to see the joy in all these things, to fall deeper in love with Jesus. And may the world see it and know that You are the one true God. I pray for those who are members that unity would abound, that service would abound, that generosity would abound, and that more and more of Your people would be called here to do the same. And so I, I just hope as we sing, we just see how wonderful You are. How amazing You are. Not just those here who call themselves Christians, Father, but those who don't know You, who aren't sure, who have questions. May they just see You and go, He really is wonderful. Just like in Second Corinthians, like or in the... In Philippians chapter 2, like it says about you, about the name of Jesus, every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God the Father. May that be what resonates through this place. As we serve, as we give, may people see Jesus. May people see our Father in heaven through our good works. We know apart from You, our good works are nothing. So, And we abide in You, grow in You. And we thank You for teaching us and loving us so much. In Jesus' name, Amen.